0: From time to time on Living Truth Radio, we have other pastors share from the Word of God. And today, sharing from the Word is Pastor Brian Richards. Brian went to Calvary Chapel Bible College. He went to Veritas Seminary. And Pastor Brian also is the director of our Bible college called the Truth Academy. So today we have Pastor Brian Richards sharing from the Word of God.
1: Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship, with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. So uh, tonight we are going to continue in the Book of Genesis, and um, you know I, I, I'm just so I'm so excited for the passage that has been handed to me because it is just the most encouraging, uplifting, just non-confrontational, non-controversial passage of scripture you could think of. Um, <laughs> it's about Lot. And uh, if you guys were here last week, uh, he, he lost everything last week. He, he lost his family, his fame, his fortune, his friends. Um, and, and now he's hiding. Uh, because the judgment of the Lord came upon the city he was living in, and he's, he's living in a cave right now with uh, two of his daughters, and they decide to do something that is, you know, like something out of a bad soap opera, like somebody would write a script for a soap opera episode, and it would never pass. Um, and that's what happens here. And, and really, this is just a picture of compromise at its worst. And we're going to talk about compromise, something we all deal with. So I want to start by just reading the passage, um, landing there, getting kind of the, the context of it, and then we'll go back and we'll um, dive deeper into it. So if you have your Bible, Genesis 19, we're going to pick up in verse Thirty Genesis 19, verse 30. You can follow along. It says, now Lot went up out of Zoar. Zoar is a little town. It it actually means little. And it it was a little town outside of Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, That's the place Lot had asked to go when the fire um, was coming down from heaven. Um, He asked to go to this little town called Zoar. But it says, he went up out of Zoar and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zoar. Now, it doesn't tell us why he was afraid uh, that he was in Zoar or or, uh, why he left, Um, maybe because he thought you know, God's judgment wasn't done and and it was gonna hit Zoar. Uh, maybe he thought the other people in the city, if, if there were people still there, maybe he thought they would blame him for what just happened. And so um, he, he he was in hiding. Um, whatever the reason, he left and he goes to the hills in Zoar. If you've ever been to Israel, or if you've seen it on a map or if you Google it or whatever, the hills of Zoar are, are probably the caves next to, the Dead Sea. And if you know anything about the caves next to the Dead Sea, that's where they found um, one, one of the greatest treasures in uh, ancient Near East literature. They found the Dead Sea Scrolls. They found these texts of the Old Testament that were thousands of years old, and they were preserved because they were in these caves. And so Lot probably went into these caves because um, it's, it's very isolated, very hard to get to, and it, he could hide from other people. Also, the temperature is great. If you've been to the Dead Sea, it's kind of like being in Palm Springs or something like that. It's just blazing hot, and so it's nice and cool in the caves, and so um, that's where he's at, and he's just there with him and his two daughters, um, and that's probably the only positive part about this passage. It just goes downhill from here. It says in verse 31, And the firstborn, his oldest daughter, said to the younger, Our father is old, so nice of them, and there is not a man on earth to come in to us after the manner of all the earth. Now, the text, again, doesn't explain whether this daughter really believed this. You know, maybe she was expressing what she thought to be true. There was nobody left on earth besides Lot and her and her younger sister, or maybe she was just exaggerating. She, she was just exaggerating, like we don't know if we're ever gonna find a man again, and and lots, you know, our dad's kind of our our last chance at having children, uh, or or maybe she was making an excuse. Um, she already knew in her mind what she wanted to do, and so she's beginning to rationalize in her mind to make it you know, sound like there's no other circumstance. You know, she has to do this horrible deed with her father. There's, there's nothing else she can do. Uh, again, we're not told exactly. Verse 32, she says to her sister, come, let us make our father drink wine. And we're not talking just ha- have a little glass with dinner. She wanted to get him drunk, drunk as can be, uh, because she didn't want him to um, have, have any sense of right and wrong, where, where he, he, would, he would stop this from happening. So she wanted to get him as drunk as possible. So let us uh, make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father, I mean, it's as bad as it seems, you know, as you read it. Um, He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Um, And the text is trying to tell us here that Lot had no part in this. Lot Lot didn't give the okay on this. He he was duped in a a sense. But we're going to talk about how he's still responsible uh, for some of the actions. Uh, Verse 34, the next day, the firstborn said to the younger, behold... I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie with him that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also. Notice I don't see Job putting up any fight about drinking the wine. You know, he could have did something there. Um, but, you know, who knows? He Maybe he thought this was the end of the world, and so, you know, it's the apocalypse. He's just going to drink and, you know, enjoy the rest of his days that he has alone. So uh, they made their father drink wine, and the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Again, he was unaware of the events. Thus, both the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. And you're just like, man, this is a crazy family. <laughs> like, how did they get to this point of compromise? We'll talk about that. The firstborn, verse 37, bore a son and called his name Moab. And and Moab uh, is similar in Hebrew to the phrase, from my father. So she gave her son the most literal name possible, from my father. Um, I I don't know if she did that, you know, just to remember the circumstances um, of, of what they had to go through. We don't know exactly, but that's what uh, Moab's name means, from my father. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. This is Moses writing this. Um, you know, Moses uh, wrote this probably sometime before he, the Israelites went into the promised land. Um, so from that day, you know, the children of Israel, they, they've probably already wandered. They've left Egypt. They're about to cross over into the promised land. Um, and so the Moabites were were a very large people group, just like Israel, at that time. And the younger also bore a son and called his name Ben Ami, and Ben Ami kind of mean, it, it means a uh, son of my family, uh, son son of my people. Um, so again, uh, the name is is describing really what happened. That you know, my son is like a son of you know my own relatives. Uh, he is the father of the Ammonites to this day. Another people group that was large when Moses wrote this. So there you have it. Um, thank you so much, pastoral team, for giving me the text. And notice they they all left. You know they got graduations and stuff like that. No, I'm I'm kidding. <laughs> if there's anything we know about our pastor, he's not ashamed to preach the word of God, no matter how difficult the text might be. So let's pray, and let's ask God to, to bless our time in this text. Father, thank you for those that are here. God, you've called them. They're here for a purpose. God, I don't believe anything happens by accident. Everything happens by your divine providence. And so we are in this room for a purpose and a plan. God, there is a work you want to do in us. Even if we don't feel like this passage applies to us, it does because we wouldn't be in this room. God, you have a reason for us being here. And I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to speak to each of us whatever we need to hear tonight. We would hear it. We would receive it. Open our hearts, to to, uh, experience Jesus, open our eyes to see the work of your spirit, open up our minds, Father, to obey your will. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen, amen. How many of you guys have ever compromised on something? Anybody? Ever compromised? Yeah, all the youth have their hand up. They are very self-aware, um, which, which is a good thing, right? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we've all compromised. Now, compromising can be a good thing. Let's, let's start there. Compromising can be a good thing. Uh, for example, um, some of us put too high of expectations on ourselves or on other people. You know, like it's a new year, it's a new me. I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm going to work out for two hours. I'm going to eat healthy. This is going to be my year, right? And then like 30 minutes into January 1st, you know, you've already eaten like five donuts and you're too tired to go to the gym. And, you know, two weeks later, you're like, okay, I need I need to compromise on my expectations here. I, I need to make it a little more... Realistic, or sometimes we have unrealistic expectations of other people. You know, we put these standards on them that they, they that we think they should abide by, the way they should treat us, or or things like that. You know, us as parents, we can do that with our kids, and sometimes we need to compromise. We need to make our expectations a little more realistic. Um, you know, compromise is also a good thing in marriage, right? <laughs> I mean, um, if if we didn't compromise on things, we'd never agree on anything, right? Uh, where to eat, uh, what movie to watch, where to go on vacation, you know, all of the things that the wife gets to do, you know, whatever she wants. Um, us guys, we have to compromise, you know? We got to let our wives, um, you know, be happy, right? Happy wife, happy life, so... You know, compromise is, is important, and I, and I know it goes it goes both ways. So compromise can be a good thing, but compromise can also be a very dangerous and a very bad thing. Um, now, here, here's a lighter example uh, of that. Um, there is a cultural phenomenon now called binge-watching. You heard that, heard about this? Binge-watching. Um It it really is created by Netflix and and online streaming where you don't have to wait once a week to watch an episode. You can just watch the whole season in one night, right? And that's binge watching. Um, Or you watch two seasons or three seasons or however many hours there are in the day to fit in um, before you literally pass out. That's how many uh, seasons you can get through. Um, and and it's it's really built on the idea of compromise, right? You're just like just one more episode. I just I just gotta watch that that one had such a cliffhanger. I gotta watch just one more, and then I'm going to sleep, right? And then like. Five hours later, and two seasons later, you're like, "What have I done?" Right? It's just one small compromise after the other. Um, you know, we do this with food, right? I, I'm just gonna have, you know, one cookie. That's it. Just one. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have one little. Just. I'm gonna break off a piece of a cookie, and that's that's all I'm gonna have, right? But then once you taste it, you're like, "Okay, I'm just gonna finish this cookie, right?" And then, and then, you know. Eight cookies later, three pieces of cake later, five brownies later, and two gallons of soda later. You're just like, what happened to me, right? Can you guys relate to this, right? We, we all compromise on things. Um, I had a friend, um, now, to, now to, you know, make it a little more serious, kind of like our text here. I, I have a friend that I grew up with. Um, we played baseball together and... Um, this, this guy was just full of potential. He, he was a pitcher um, and just a, just a great athlete. And, and he got a full scholarship to go to a private university, private Christian university, to play baseball. Um, but our, our last two years of high school um, were quite different than our first two years. Our first two years, man, we were on fire for the Lord. We were going to youth group. We were you know, going to summer camp, all of those things. Um, I was actually known on campus as the apostle. They called me the Apostle Brian, because I was always going around just sharing my faith with, with people, um, with the seniors, you know, I'm a freshman, I, I'm sharing the gospel with them, um, you know, but my junior and senior year, you know, we wanted to be popular, we wanted to hang out with certain students, certain uh, kids and certain groups. And, you know, it just led to, to one compromise after another. And some of my friends, you know, they got caught up drinking and smoking. And what it ended up happening to my one friend is he went to this private university and was introduced to marijuana at a private Christian university. And he, to this day has never been able to shake that addiction. It, it went from marijuana to harder drugs and um to this day, I, I still follow him on social media. I, I keep up with his life, but he, he has no job, he has no direction, he has no purpose. And here's somebody that was full of potential, but because of one small compromise after the other, his, his life you know, is just flashed before him. You know, he has you know, he, all that potential he had, he's lost. Um, and that's not to say God still can't do a mighty work in him. So in this passage here, I, 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 see, um, I see that compromises have consequences. If you're, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to, to write that down. Compromises have consequences. And I want to list three of them that I see here in the text. And I want to I develop a little bit more this idea of of Compromise. So if you're taking notes, jot this first consequence down. Compromise affects our past. Compromise affects our past. If you look back at verses 30 and 31, we see Lot. We see that he's hiding in a a cave with his two daughters, and that's it. Why was Lot and his daughters living alone in a cave? Because of Lot's past consequent, uh, compromises. Because of his past compromises. Lot's son-in-laws died uh, because they grew up in this, in this culture of Sodom, this this uh, culture where they wanted nothing to do with the angel of the Lord telling them to flee from the city and don't look back. They they didn't care, and they died because of that. Lot's wife died because she fell in love with Sodom's culture. She, you know, uh, grew up outside of it, but when she was there, just grew so, so accustomed to it that when Lot finally even tried to physically drag her out, she, her heart was just dead set on going back to Sodom, and she died because of that. Lot's family could have still been alive had he not settled in Sodom's culture. He could have made a choice Years ago, to not take his family to Sodom, all all the way back to when Lot and Abraham were acquiring a lot of wealth and a lot of animals, and Abraham had to make a choice. Both of us can't continue together, Um, we need to separate. And Abraham gave Lot the first choice and Lot looked at the plains of Sodom and said, I'm gonna dwell there. But he didn't just dwell outside. Slowly, he he made his way inside of this city. And then slowly, he... Uh, became part of the city and so did his family to the point where when they were asked to leave, they didn't want to and it cost them their lives. You see, our past compromises can affect our current circumstances. Our past compromises can affect our current circumstances. Compromises we made years ago can come back to hurt us and that's why it's so important to not give up and not give in to compromise now because we don't know how it'll affect us in the future we're almost saving our future self by not compromising now in the present and I'll get a little bit real with you um when I was when I was thirteen years old I was first introduced to online pornography and at first you know it was just a, a, a small compromise and uh, o- over the years you know it would be one more compromise after the other and it became an ongoing battle where sometimes it wouldn't be an issue at all and then other times it was and it, and I know a lot of us can can relate to this uh, because um, the, the culture we grow up in now, you, you guys got to remember, your, your teenagers have access to online pornography at any time. But there are filters and there are programs out there that I use personally to to protect myself. But there came a point with compromise. It got so bad that I was caught at a previous job looking at online pornography, and I lost my job because of it. And then, um, not, not too much uh, time after that, um, I, I, I told my wife, who was my fiance at the time, about it. And I was afraid that I might lose my fiance. And all because of one compromise after the other, I lost my job and almost lost my fiance and our future marriage. All because of compromise. You see, our past, our past compromises can affect our current circumstances. Number two, if you're taking notes, jot this down: compromise affects our present. Not only does it affect our past, but it also affects our present. Look again, uh, starting in verse 32 where the two daughters come up with this idea to sleep with their father. The older in verse 32 says, come, let us make our father drink wine, lie with him that we may preserve offspring from our father. Why? Why did Lot's daughters get him drunk and then get themselves pregnant? Why did it come to such dire circumstances well because of compromise now the text is clear that lot didn't come up with this idea the text kind of takes him out of it and says this was all this all falls on the shoulders of his two daughters yet if you think about it did lot force himself or did his daughters force him to drink wine And the answer is no. Nobody forced him to do it. And in the same way, with our own compromises, we're we're so good at blaming other people or or blaming society or, or blaming our genetics or blaming the way we grew up instead of taking responsibility for our own actions. And Lot decided not to do that. He could have avoided this whole mess if he could have controlled himself and not let in to to one compromise after the other. He could have just stopped with one drink right? He, he didn't have to keep it going and keep it going and and in the same way, man, so many people like to convince themselves. They'll say something like this, oh, "I'm just I just stumbled into sin or or they have this mentality, the devil made me do it."
0: Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and I'm here with Pastor Brian Richards, and we just heard a teaching from Genesis 19 on compromise. Brian, compromise is such a big issue a big deal for every one of us seems like 24-7 365 man we are pulled towards compromise and compromise uh, seems to happen in little
1: yeah.
0: snippets or bites you know it's it's usually not some major you know pit that we fall into we can we can go back and retrace steps where we compromised right yeah. and then it can lead to a big blunder or a big mistake uh, I think we can clearly see that in Lot's life all the way back to when he you know, chooses the fertile land of Sodom, doesn't defer to his uncle, gets closer and closer to the border of Sodom, uh, really kind of puts his family at risk, even though he thought he could handle it and he was a righteous man, according to the New Testament. He was vexed by what he saw, yet his compromises affected others, including his daughters. Um, We don't want to reteach the teaching here, but what we do want to say is help, Pastor Brian, (laughs) how do we overcome uh, this pull towards compromise? What can we do to be a little bit more proactive?
1: Yeah, that's good. Um, Recently, my wife and I had to do a remodel. And the reason we did that is because we had a flood that happened. Now, anyone who has dealt with a flood in their house knows what I'm talking about. That water, if you don't catch it quick enough, it just begins to spread. And you don't even notice it because it's happening in your walls or it's happening underneath the foundation, and, or underneath you know your floor. And all of the sudden, you know, you you come back and there's mold in your house and there's all this water damage and you're like, what just happened? And I feel like compromise is the same way. So,
0: uh, to go with this theme, because this is really good, Brian. I love that illustration. <laughs> uh, w- would it be that maybe a compromise could be that you noticed? a drop or you notice something and you just don't deal with it and it gets it ends up getting where you have to move out and stay at a hotel for a couple months
1: (laughs) yeah which is what my wife and i are currently (laughs) dealing with and the mold happened after we came back from a mission strip so you know you Mm -hmm. feel all on fire and then you come back to something like that and we're out of our house for a couple months but you know relating that to compromise um it's the same way you know, it says in Romans or I'm sorry, First Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 that God always makes a way of escape yeah. for anything that we face. So we really can't blame God or our circumstances or other people for compromises that we make personally. Our greatest enemy is ourselves and the battle happens from within. And so those compromises happen in our heart and in our mind. And so the Bible tells us we have to take those thoughts captive by the obedience of Christ.